Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. The truth virus. Are you going to catch it? Back in my limited days at university, I did a couple of English lit classes. In the first one, I had the quintessential professor. He was passionate and full of poetry and wild gesticulations and reverence for literature. He had funny anecdotes and wisdom and brilliant insight. I loved his class. This was a few years after the movie Fatal Attraction came out. So this guy walked us through the movie as an example of how to interpret symbols and metaphors in stories. So in Fatal Attraction, there's a man in a nice but kind of humdrum marriage, and he meets a woman. She's wild and crazy and sexy and unpredictable. She represents passion, the thing that's missing in his marriage. And throughout the story, no matter how much he tries to ignore it, this thing just keeps coming back at him. It won't leave him alone, and it's constantly trying to get him to pay attention to it slash her. Even her name, Alex Forrest, she's wild. She symbolizes the untamed. Even in the appearance of the women is a contrast. The wife is attractive, but kind of mousy. She's settled into the comfortable housewife role. She's pleasant and familiar, but then Glenn Close comes along and she's sassy and outrageous and he just cannot resist her. Even by the end of the movie, when Glenn Close's character has been killed, there's this feeling that things still aren't quite right. I mean, of course they aren't aren't because of all that's happened, but even deeper than that is the fact that they've only whack-a-mold the true problem, their lack of passion, and it's going to haunt them until they deal with it. And that's what we're left with at the close of the movie, this haunting feeling, like that something isn't quite resolved yet. So then I went on to do part two of my English Lit program and or whatever course, part one and two, and I had a totally different teacher, and she took everything literally everything there was no room for symbolism or metaphor anywhere in her work and i was flabbergasted i couldn't understand how she could think like this and not see these things and utterly reject them and you know basically also how she could be so fucking dumb so what i wanted to do in this podcast is to bring together a number of themes that have been emerging over the past six months and even before that and pull it all together because there's this narrative that people are taking part in that fills media headlines and people's minds and then there are many deeper messages that are filling people's subconscious minds at the same time that are potentially even more worrying so Bruce Lipton 
in his work, talks about how 90% of what we do and how we respond comes from our subconscious minds, and only 10% of what we do is conscious. Knowing that, let's take a look at a lot of the subconscious messaging, programming, and symbolism that we've been seeing, because there is a lot, let's say 90% that we're missing here. So the first is censorship. Now, as someone who speaks about sex, I have been censored since 2009 when I created my first Facebook account. And honestly, the only reason I did it was so that I could use it for business purposes. I would never have volunteered to set up an account and put all of my personal information up into a government database otherwise. That account, plus all of my other ones, have been algorithmically fucked and cock-blocked with since then. And before that, we were all on Tumblr when a couple of kids from Brooklyn were running it and anything went. And then Yahoo bought Tumblr and it's been going downhill ever since. And then now in the last few years, since my colleagues in the natural health world have noticed that they are becoming increasingly censored. And Google has even admitted to doing purges of sites and content related to natural health, either blocking them or placing them so far down in search engine rankings that they are unfindable. The internet used to be this great, truly democratic, wild west experience, meaning the more people who searched for your content, the higher up it would appear in rankings. These choices are now made top down and anything that goes against the owners and shareholders' corporate interests is now punished and hidden. So with Google and other tech platforms having pharma shareholders, it's pretty clear where their loyalties and thus business and content decisions lie. And then we've also had this cancel culture movement where all of these social justice groups have been hijacked and their causes co-opted to have some kind of sweeping power to cancel people and cancel causes that are somehow deemed unsavory. A total muzzling and cancellation of free speech under the guise of virtue signaling. So where we used to have a culture and values of some semblance of free speech, we now actually value censorship. And I say semblance of free speech because I'm not sure that I would say we were ever totally free in this regard. Before the internet, we still had gatekeepers of newspapers and book publishing and film, but we also had investigative journalism that had a mission to uncover the truth. I would say that that is entirely gone now from an institutional perspective. And this has been replaced with citizen journalists, i.e. literate, thinking, questioning people who do research and find things that corporate interests hide. How do you influence public opinion? Well, you buy the channels that create it. Just ask Uncle Jeffy B, who bought the Washington Post, or Little Willie Billy, who buys every single research organization, and they magically all come out with the same um, studies. (laughs) Have you seen that video? It circulates around Instagram. I might post it, actually, of the TV talking heads, and I'll put it in my Telegram group, which I'll mention later in this podcast. 
podcast. And it compiles news outlets from all over the US and it syncs them up and they are in unison using the exact same script that they've obviously been given to address the problem of fake news. So all of this stuff has been building for decades. I mean, for me personally, the last place I would ever venture to find truth would be mainstream media. And now in the past six months, the censorship has become even more blatant and anyone with a dissenting opinion from the dominant narrative finds themselves shadow banned, cock blocked, or their platforms and voices fully deleted off of the internet. Or there are fact checked organizations sponsored by Little Billy Willie. But hey, we live in a democracy where we have free speech, right? This is so democratic. And now all these people are being told, despite all scientific evidence against it, that they need to wear masks. In another episode, I created this I've Gone Viral Again podcast a few months ago. I asked the question, is it a mask or is it a muzzle? Well, that's easy. And now people have been told that they ought to wear goggles, you know, to stop the, the spread of, of what exactly. I think I have even heard talk of ear coverings now. Speak no evil, see no evil, hear no evil. Speak no truth, see no truth, and hear no truth. You might infect someone else with the truth virus. And then what would happen? Breaking news, another 500 cases in Los Angeles today of people waking up from their blindness and seeing what's truly going on in the world. They are super spreaders of the truth virus. Everywhere they go, they plant seeds. They just spread a little more truth until there is a tipping point of truth, a pandemic of truth. I am surprised that more people aren't actually questioning what's happening out there right now because it doesn't take much. In fact, you would have to be committed to blindness and denial not to notice some, if not many, massive discrepancies in the stories people are being sold as facts and science. You can't see me, but every time I say the word science, I use air quotes and a bending over and taking it up the ass kind of gesture. That's symbolism for you. When something is bought and sold like a common, uh, whatever you want to call it, it's not exactly a reputable source of information, is it? Being bought and sold to the highest bidder, so Coca-Cola just this past week was busted for buying scientists to come up with a bunch of manufactured studies to say that obesity was not linked to sugary beverages. Can you imagine? Can you believe that they did that? What is it like to walk around the world and feel like you can't speak, can't listen, and with the messaging that your very words and the act of speaking them are poison? You can't trust another person to speak and you can't trust your own eyes to see without some kind of prescribed blocker or filter on them. And by the way, if you have a look at the kinds of chemicals that are applied to masks, you might be shocked to see that the filters you are mandated to wear to save you are totally toxic and laden with chemicals that you'll be now breathing in 24-7 as you're also asked to wear a mask in your house. This sounds like a great way to make people shut the fuck up. 
for a fantastic perspective that is thoroughly backed by actual science and not manufactured and slanted information that's been bought and paid for by the highest bidder, check out my amazing colleague, Dr. Kelly Brogan, and the piece on her site entitled Masks, Have You Been Captured by This PSYOP? All right, so the second area is that's laden with symbolism is breathing. From the very beginning of this situation, we've been told that this particular latest, greatest viral sensation attacks the lungs and the breath. People have apparently been found to have conditions of hypoxia, which is a situation where not enough oxygen makes it to the cells and tissues. This has many serious, sometimes life-threatening complications. As a side note, and I addressed this in my I've Gone Viral podcast from earlier this year, I spoke about how one of the health effects from 4 plus 1 and comes after F and before H is hypoxia. And since this has been now installed in all of the major centers where they have apparently had big outbreaks of the latest, greatest viral sensation, could they be related? Unrelated, I'm sure couldn't possibly be a cover for the side effects people are feeling from this new technology that's also classified as a military weapon. So these people can't breathe. Where, where, where have I heard that phrase before? Prana is the Sanskrit word for breath. It also encompasses the idea of life force or vital principle that permeates reality on all levels, including inanimate objects. So let's take a look at the etymology of breathing words in the Western languages. So the word inspire, in spirit, to inhale, to breathe in, inspire, to fill the mind and the heart with grace influence or animate with an idea or purpose communicated by divine or supernatural powers infused with seemingly supernatural influence inspiration the immediate influence of god so there is this apparent disease that chokes the life and divine force out of people and then one of the most emblematic images of the year is that of a black man with a knee on his neck who cries out i can't breathe and he in turn inspires hundreds of thousands of people all over the world to take up the chant or the incantation of I can't breathe. In a time when apparently people are dying from something that renders them unable to breathe. Hmm... An incantation is defined as the chanting or uttering of words purporting to have a magical power, a formula employed, a spell or charm, magical ceremonies, magic, sorcery. So we see this massive theme of the breath, of the divine, of the life force being cut off, blocked, and choked out of people, of divine spirit being squashed. Let's keep going. So next we have this directive of social distancing, where we are all so very dangerous that we need to be separated from each other. Humans 
infect and kill other humans with their inspiration, with their breath. And in this pursuit of not spreading inspiration, we must keep a distance of six feet from each other. Six feet happens to be the length within which we can sense each other's heart fields, the electromagnetic radiation of the heart. So here is a quote from the HeartMath Institute. The heart is a sensory organ and acts as a sophisticated information encoding and processing center that enables it to learn, remember, and make independent independent, I'm just going to repeat that word, independent functional decisions, says HeartMath Institute Director of Research, Roland McCrati, and he wrote this in the paper, The Energetic Heart, Bioelectromagnetic Communication Within and Between People. The heart, like the brain, generates a powerful electromagnetic field, McCrati explains, in The Energetic Heart. The heart generates the largest electromagnetic field in the body, the electrical field as measured in an electrocardiogram, an ECG is about 60 times greater in amplitude than the brain waves recorded in an electroencephalogram, an EEG. Heart math studies show that this powerful electromagnetic field can be detected and measured several feet away from a person's body and between individuals in close proximity. The results of the electricity of touch experiment were positive. The data showed that when people touch or are in proximity, a transference of the electromagnetic energy produced by the heart occurs, the study's authors wrote. And all of this comes from the heart math site. So if our hearts really do act as sensory organs like our eyes or ears, giving us information and conveying this like a gut feeling or intuition or an energetic read off of someone, we are now totally cut off from that sensory apparatus. If we were to come into close enough contact with another human being, we could have a loving exchange with them and feel that in our hearts. This is less possible, perhaps even impossible now, as the six feet is larger than the several feet within which we can sense into another's heart resonance and their electromagnetic field. So this further reinforces the atmosphere and new era of mistrust, of looking at each other as dangerous and deadly. And for those of you who like to look at numerical symbolism, if you are six feet in front, six Six feet to the sides and six feet behind, add those up and you get a particular configuration with deep meaning to a certain religious group and another incantation. Six degrees of separation indeed. So the next area I wanted to look at is community is immunity. I have heard my colleagues, Dr. Kelly Brogan and her partner, Sire G, the founder of Green Med Info, use this phrase. And biologically, it's true. Our immune systems, our ability to deal with the challenges of life thrive off of the challenges of life, meaning whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And I guess that's a little extreme, but it's true. Our immune systems 
are designed to interact with each other and with all kinds of diverse environments. And it's these micro and sometimes macro exposures that build our immunity, that fortify us. They give us, our immune systems, the practice that they need to be able to deal with whatever comes along to greet them. So the immunity of community functions in two ways. The first is that we support and love and nourish each other. We accelerate our evolution when we participate in like-minded groups and where we have the common aim of growth, like spiritual groups where personal and spiritual betterment are the values, or family groups where unconditional love and acceptance are the values. And then secondly, with the exchange of microbes to build a stronger immune system, the more we have of this, the more we are exposed to these things, the stronger we get. Dr. Zach Bush talks about this a lot. He has great reverence for all of these microbes and how important they are to our immunity. He says that these things actually are our immunity. A friend of mine was double breastfed. His mother had a twin sister and they used to breastfeed each other's babies. He has guts of steel. We once shared a meal of some seafood that was unwell, but we didn't realize it at the time. I was up all night shitting and puking for hours and he slept like a baby. (laughs) We are surrounded by bacteria all the time and most of it is good and actually essential for us. It's only when the terrain of our system is so faulty and under-functioning that we can fall ill. We have to create an environment for that to happen. This is terrain theory and not the fallacy of germ theory, which brings us to us against them, divide and conquer, seeing each other as the enemy. So this is the essence of germ theory, which has already been debunked, but is the faulty premise upon which this entire global meltdown is based, as well as all of allopathic medicine. It's the microcosm of us against them. And under this belief system, people must see each other as the enemy. Every person has the potential to kill you and you them. And I expanded on germ theory a few months ago in my podcast, I've Gone Viral Again. But we see these divide and conquer and us against them tactics playing out all over the place. Did you put up a black square? Are you promoting the right acronym? Are you Democrat or Republican? Mask or no mask? Are you chasing down people on the internet and screaming at them? for having different beliefs than you, i.e. virtue signaling. It's a non-stop perpetuation of this ideology and its origins start in the lie of germ theory. This same lie is the very, as I said, foundation of all of allopathic medicine and it reverberates out into society at large. Except that we are all one. The next point would be that there is this attack on nature, right? Stay away from it, your nature and the outdoors. So people are told to stay inside their homes and to avoid nature. And again, Zach Bush talks about how being in nature and as many different environments as you can, even within one day, helps to build and fortify your microbiome. Being out in the sun, the best source of vitamin D is one of the most potent ways to build immunity. And here we're also being told to avoid our true natures, to avoid being out in nature, and to suppress any innate instincts that would guide us toward true health and healing. And finally, we come to the crown, the C-O-R-O-N-A. 
So let's explore a few ideas here. C-O-R-O-N-A means crown in Latin. So the crown chakra, the spiritual center of the body, this is the portal, the gateway between the physical world and the spiritual worlds. This is the access point. This is where the spirit or soul is meant to enter the body. And as some spiritual paths believe, the gateway for conscious soul travel in and out of the physical body at will. This is the seventh chakra and the place from which we can access higher states of consciousness. We go beyond our current limitations of the physical body and our human eyes to get in touch with a higher universal vision, to tap into the multidimensionality of ourselves. Now, a coronation is the act or ceremony of crowning a king, a queen, or other sovereign. A sovereign is a king, a queen, or other supreme ruler, a person who has undisputable power or authority. So in this physical world of duality, where we have male, female, black and white, night and day, light and dark, we also have good and evil. It's all part of the experience of being here in this physical plane of existence. And there are some religions who hold an awareness of the traps and snares of evil, and they give this a lot of attention with the concept of you need to be aware of these things, right? How evil can ensnare or lure you. This is a very Christian concept. And I do ascribe to the idea of this plane being a place of duality, but I haven't I don't really ever focus on the existence of evil. I focus more on creating heaven on earth and keeping my attention in a high vision for my life and how I can be of service. But occasionally I come across some things that I would say are truly evil. And I define evil as the deliberate harming of other beings. So last year, when I was exposing some of the everyday events that go on in the OBGYN and pharmaceutical industries, I was talking about how they regularly make decisions to release and market products that they know, as in they have internal total evidence that they harm people, and in this case, women. And the only word that I could use to describe it is evil, because it is. (laughs) So right now, I'm sure... Many of you have been hearing all kinds of things about the unmasking of certain kinds of evils that are happening on the planet right now, right under our noses, apparently, and by people in positions of great power and leadership. Interestingly, in this time of a manufactured crisis, none of these things, which include the arrests of a number of high-ranking political figures, are reported by the mainstream media. The great unmasking. No, wait, put your mask back on. It's not safe to speak. No, wait, put your goggles on. It's, it's not safe to see. No, wait, put your earplugs back in. It's not safe to hear. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Indeed. So we have a universal unmasking and a changing of the guard. You may also have read in the midst of this and the fight for our innate and birthright freedoms, the talk of sovereignty, of natural people. So listen to this definition of a crown. Any of various types of headgear worn by a monarch as a symbol of sovereignty, conferred by the ancients as a mark of victory. 
So what's it going to be, kids? Are you ready to declare your sovereignty and enter your true states as kings and queens of your own domains and earn your crowns? In the spirit of owning our sacred powers and sovereignty, I invite you to join me on my new Telegram group called Anami Sacred Samurais. Telegram is a censorship-free app, which is what we all need these days, and I will be posting citizen journalist-type information, videos, and as well some witty and therapeutic memes. So this won't exactly be my typical sexual spiritual content. I will be posting that kind of thing on my Instagram as well as in my podcasts as per usual. This Telegram group is more for those of you who are interested in exploring an alternative narrative to the current one both in the sociopolitical way and even spiritually speaking. So you can search for that on Telegram at Anami Sacred Samurais. If you aren't on Telegram or you don't know about it, this is an app you can download. It's free and it functions kind of like a WhatsApp in that you can communicate it through it. And it also has the capacity to hold group space without interference. And so in this case, it will be a one-way platform where I post and you can follow. And I've also got my eye on some uncensored spaces for community interaction. I will keep you posted. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to make an easy, easy $1 million, Jamie McIntyre, the Australian author, has put out a challenge for anyone to prove that the story of the latest, greatest viral sensation that we've all been told, the one that has changed the entire world, is correct. He's looking for proof. And if you can get that to him, he will give you a million buckaroos. Should be easy, right? So on this topic of relating to everything I've spoken about in this podcast, I have a few other podcasts that you can check out. I've Gone Viral Again, these are all my podcasts, and The New Normal, Sex, Intimacy, and Immunity, and Quantum Love and Healing with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.